Hello, friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Connor Herson. Many of you will remember Connor as the 15-year-old kid who freed the nose a couple years ago. Connor is now 17 years old and is as impressive as ever in his climbing, especially in hard sport climbing and single pitch trad and big wall free climbing in Yosemite. We talked about what Connor jokes was the number chasing goal he had at age 14, about early climbing with his parents in Yosemite and his path to free climbing the nose, about big wall free climbing, some of the tactics Connor uses, some gear recommendations, and some fun stories from the side of El Cap. We talked about the head pointing tactics he used to manage risk on a recent hard trad ascent, about training power on a home wall during shelter in place, and some of the recent sends that showed him that the training is paying off. We also talked about some of his future goals on El Cap. This is the second episode of the podcast featuring patron questions. I'm trying something new with Patreon. If you would like to have your question asked on the show, head over to thenuggetclimbing.com and click on the support the podcast button at the top. You can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Pledge whatever you feel it's worth to you. And there are a few other options there for supporting the podcast financially as well. Keep in mind, too, that you can become a patron and there's no need to submit questions if you just want to support the show. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate all the help, all the love. You guys are awesome. Please enjoy this youthful conversation with Connor Herson. Hi, Connor. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it's not terribly early, but this is actually the earliest I've done one of these. <laughs> it's We're talking at 8.20 in the morning right now. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's my first. For me as... Is it? It's a bit early for me as well. Okay. I was going to ask that. Yeah. I was curious if you're a morning person or not. Uh, you, you just finished eating breakfast. What did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> uh Eggs and bacon and toast, you know, the usual. That's pretty good. I was, uh, you know, kind of going at a relaxed pace, and I was like, oh, wait, I have to, like, it's 8.10, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> no rush at all. I hope you took some time to enjoy it. <laughs> Do you use any uh, hot sauce or, or seasonings or anything? Uh, you know, some, some good salsa for the eggs. Salsa? Yeah. Okay, nice. Are you a coffee drinker? No. No, okay. Caffeine at all? No, I'm not really that kind of person. Gotcha. How much? Uh, how much sleep do you try to get every night? Um, I generally like sleep a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, if possible, I try to get you know nine or ten hours. That's amazing. That's a good coffee replacement right there. Exactly. <laughs> all those coffee drinkers are just treating a symptom. <laughs> not sleeping enough. Well, I thought we could start with uh, uh, the way that you came on my radar and the way that you probably have come on a lot of climbers' radars is through your free ascent of the nose. So you became the sixth person to free climb the nose, and this is a couple of years ago, and you were by far the youngest person to do it, age 15. Yep. And uh, I was reading an article that your dad wrote about it. It's really fantastic. But something popped up in that. He actually started that article by talking about a goal that you had when you were 14. Yeah. And that was really 
equally impressive and and super cool to read about. So uh, you know what I'm talking about with that, right? Yeah. Do you want to tell me about the goal that you had when you were 14? Yeah. So uh, when I was 13, I sent my first 514. Uh, this climb called God's Own Stone in the Red River Gorge. Okay. And then when I was 14, like, I mean, like within a month of turning 14, I was like on a climbing trip with my friend and I got like, and I actually sent three more 514s and I was like, wow, like <laughs> this is a grade that's like kind of accessible for me. And I, I remember like hearing about, I think Margot Hayes did 14 514s in a year. And mm. I was like, that just, that sounds super cool. Like 14 514s at age 14. <laughs> Why not? Like, you know, maybe I'll try uh, to go for it but like I wasn't I didn't really consider it seriously I was just kind of joking about it yeah and I mean you know it was definitely a little far out I'd done like what four in my entire life mm-hmm. actually three because one of them I didn't end up counting because it was kind of soft and I did the extension to it um, later <laughs> on so I didn't want to count those separately but you know I originally was like well I want to count the one I did when I was 13 so maybe 14 five 14s before turning 15 and then uh, I had a bunch of competitions in the fall and I kind of forgot about it and I didn't really do much sport climbing. Okay. Um, so it was just like, you know, competing and I didn't do another one until like November or December of that year. My birthday's in July. So, you know, I did, you know, that handful at the start of the year and, you know, July and, you know, early August. And then, you know, didn't do another one until like, I think it was December when I did my next one. Okay. And, you know, I did a few handful over then, a handful, a few then, a few around New Year's. And, like, there were kind of some setbacks that, you know, I was, again, you know, I wasn't, I'd kind of written that goal out as, you know, not really achievable. Um, <laughs> like, we had a week uh, in Smith Rock, and I was going to be climbing with uh, Drew Ruana, who's, like, I mean, he's, like, the master of that place. He's done, like, everything there. Yeah, um, literally. So I was, like you know, hoping he can give me beta on a few, you know, it was definitely like my style of climbing, super technical, but then it was like snowing the entire week. Oh man. Um, and I like didn't really get to climb at all. So like, you know, it's definitely a little bit of a setback. And then like throughout like February and March, I was like trying a bunch and like, I think on three separate 514s, I fell like way like at the top, you know, <laughs> Like, you know, completely punting. And, like, I think I was at this point at, like, seven or so. And it was, like, February. My birthday was in July. Or it was even in March. Uh, My birthday was in July. And then I actually had this trip to the Red River Gorge with uh, my friend Xander Waller. Okay. And that trip, I was – I actually wasn't really thinking about the goal. My goal was actually to do uh, Lucifer, which is a 514C. Um, and it had I been going for the goal, I would have just like tried to do as many 14 A's as possible. Right. But, um, you know, total number chasing here. <laughs> um, That's a great goal. Yeah. But then like now my third day trying it, I sent Lucifer and I know Xander really wanted to try Southern Smoke, which is another 14 C. So the next day I tried that and I actually sent it second go, oh which I gosh. was like, I mean, I... <laughs> That's kind of my reaction. <laughs> I like, and it, it's definitely like, I mean, I was fighting super hard on yeah. it and like, it felt just really hard. And I, I mean, I don't really know how I did it, but 
And then I did another 514 that trip to Omaha Beach. So then suddenly I'd done like three in a week. Oh, and wow. I was like, okay, I can do this. Huh. <laughs> so you know, coming back from that trip, I think I had like four, no, three to go. Hmm. Four or three left. And, you know, that was in, at the start of April and I had all the way till July. So I was like, oh, it'll go. Um, <laughs> and I mean, most of the 514s I did were at Jailhouse, you know, our local sport crag. Okay. I'm not sure if you've climbed there at all, but... Uh, I have not, and it, I, I definitely want to. It looks awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a nice cliff. It's like, just like this huge cliff that has like so many hard routes. I like that style, too. Yeah, for sure. It's a cool style. It's very... I mean, I, a lot of people think the knee pad was invented for rifle, but it was actually invented for Jailhouse. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's a... That's a fun little trivia fact. Yeah. Everyone thinks that knee pad was invented by a rifle climber, but it wasn't. Hmm. It was brought to rifle from jailhouse. Okay. So, um, yeah, I know. And then, you know, that spring at jailhouse, I did a bunch. And then I actually, well, I, I'd finished the goal at jailhouse because I'd done 15. I mean, I'd done 14 before turning 15. Okay. Right. So I'd done 13 at age 14, one at age 13, and then. But I was also counting, you know, that one, I think it was called Millennium at Maple Canyon. Mm. It has an extension. And I was like counting both the climb and its extension separately. And like, it was also only 14A and like one guidebook. Okay. Um, <laughs> but then we actually had another trip to Maple Canyon in June and I did two more. So I didn't have to count the one I did while I was 13. I didn't have to count Millennium. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, just kind of. It's kind of weird how it just like all came together so quickly. <laughs> Definitely would not have predicted it at all. That's awesome. It it really I, I love it because it really shows the evolution. I think Chris Sharma was the youngest climber to climb five fourteen and he did his first one at age fourteen. So, you know, from him until you having the goal of doing fourteen in a year and then exceeding that, that's uh that's pretty cool to see how things have changed. Yeah, it's pretty psyched. Have you had a goal like that since in the last couple of years? Not really. I've just kind of been climbing for climbing's sake. Okay. Um, And to go back to your earlier point, I mean, it's only a matter of time until like some 10-year-old does like 20 in a year. Right. Um, (laughs) And it's, I mean, I've had like goals, but I've kind of, uh, you know, I was like still in eighth grade at the time. Oh my gosh. Um, You know, now I'm in high school, a little more work. I don't know. I don't really want to. I'm trying not to number chase anymore. Um, I did have one goal, which was to do a climb that's harder than I've done before. So, like, that'd be 14D. But I also never really tried a 14D because there aren't really. I mean, the closest one is the Dawn Wall, and that's the Dawn Wall. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah, and I haven't really had, you know, that kind of goal since. Okay. Is there any potential for a, a 14D at Jailhouse? It'd probably um, be like a, a crazy good... link up or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know. I mean, okay. if you count like repeating a climb without knee pads, you know, just do the green mile without <laughs> knee pads. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if you could like take a separate climb for that or like a separate grade. Gotcha. Um, even though the grades at Jailhouse are given like assuming you wear knee pads. And if you do a climb without knee pads, it's going to be, you know, two or three grades harder usually yeah do you have a go-to knee pad setup that you use what have you found that works best there um 
I know a lot of the locals use, uh, you know, the duct tape on. They also use like that uh, glue thing. So they use like glue and duct tape. Like the spray glue, the spray adhesive on the thigh yeah, the and then spray the sleeve. Adhesive, yeah. Okay. I'm trying not to go down that path. I still just use strap-ons. Okay. You know, at some point I probably will start uh, using the duct tape, but uh, yeah. You know, again, I'm trying not to go down that path yet. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's it's a pretty tedious process doing that whole that whole setup every time you're trying your project. Yeah. Uh, but I've you most you just mentioned the Green Mile, so that was your most recent one, right? That's uh, the 14C there. Yeah, that's uh, that one was about a month ago. At awesome. This point. Congrats on that. I want to I want to circle back to that later because you had a fun story about yeah, thanks. your uh, your interesting, varied and very impressive weekend. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's come back to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the nose. I talked to you on the phone a little bit ago and I wanted mm-hmm. to see if that was still, you know, your your proudest accomplishment. It sounds like it still is at this point. Is that mm-hmm. true? Yeah, I mean El Cap's just like so beyond like any sport climbing or like anything else. I'd, yeah. I'd still say so. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe if I can do more routes, maybe it won't be, but uh, yeah. at this point it definitely is. Awesome. Have you tried to free climb anything else on El Cap since? So this past fall, I was trying triple direct. Okay. Um, and it was kind of a combination of things that happened. Like I, uh, we hit pretty bad weather this fall because we were only going up on weekends. Okay. And for some reason, all the weekends were like heat waves. And I was also not in great shape because I was uh, running cross country and like not climbing too much. Okay. Gosh, it sounds like I'm making excuses. Um, <laughs> I am making excuses. <laughs> but uh, the point is, I didn't do it. Uh-huh. I got really close. Uh, I unsent changing corners. You unsent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I freed everything but changing corners and that. Uh, last time I tried it, I like tried it nine times in a day. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> and like my best go, I got like through the crux and then just like you know like through the hard climbing and just like rushed you know a oh, B three move. Okay. So you know, hopefully this fall it'll go down. I was listening to a, a podcast that you did on the run out, and you were talking about how you had grown over the summer when you were working yeah. on the nose in the first place and you had to relearn your beta for yeah. changing corners. I thought that was, I had never thought about that. And I'm sure that's happened again, right? I'm sure you've grown a yeah, lot in the last again. couple of years. <laughs> yeah. It happened again for triple direct because triple direct was the year after the nose. And uh-huh. like, I didn't t- touch changing corners for like, you know, 10 months. Like, damn, uh, I'm too big for this re- beta now. So I've had to relearn it twice so far. That's funny. Um, and, I think, you know, if I do it again this fall, I've grown since last year, so I'm going to have to relearn it again if I go back. (laughs) (laughs) You're really getting more acquainted with that pitch than maybe anyone else. (laughs) Yeah. All the different Um, options. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I did like the same, like, it's like the same, like, basic method, you know? Okay. But just like, you know, like, I enter the corner the same way, you know, kind of do the same basic method, but just like the, you know, the details, like of like the individual moves just mm. change every time mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i'm the only one who's had that problem on that pitch <laughs> um, so in case listeners don't know changing corners is the 14a crux pitch of the, no- the nose free mm-hmm. do you want to explain what triple direct is because that's kind of a lesser known yeah. free variation 
Yeah. So the triple direct, it's, I mean, essentially it's just a link up. You do free blast to the first 10 pitches of the Solithae wall, and then you join the mirror wall, and you do around 10 pitches or so of the mirror wall, and then you join into the nose just below the great roof, and you top out on the nose. So you have to do the great roof, and you have to do the changing corners, which are the two hard pitches on the nose. Okay. And it's a lot more sustained than the nose. Like, I don't know, on the nose, the hardest pitch below the great roof is 12A. Okay. So if you're free climbing it, uh, you know, you're pretty much cruising up to the great roof. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on triple direct, that's not the case. You know, there's some like, I mean, there are two 513 pitches back to back. One of them's, you know, a little sketchy. There's some pretty sketchy 512 pitches on there as well. Is that on the mirror uh, section? The, yeah, on okay. the mirror section. I mean, free blast year cruising up um even though that has some you know slabs that never feel easy for some reason even though they're <laughs> supposedly 511 <laughs> so it's it's just a lot more sustained you know we do three day ascents of these uh climbs so on the nose the first day the hardest pitch i do is 12a okay so you know the first day it's essentially i mean it's, it's a lot of work but you know climbing wise it's basically a rest day right you know i can do the great roof fresh and then changing corners you know, I'll only have done one 513 pitch before then, but um, on triple direct, if I'm going to give a three-day push for it, I'm going to be climbing 513 or above all three days. Okay. Um, so it just adds up. That's interesting, the three-day ascent thing. So you always decide on that length going into it? Yeah. So, I mean, three days is kind of the one that makes sense. So you've kind of toyed with the idea of doing two days, but we kind of try to haul like super light and you know not take too much stuff yeah you told me that you don't own a portal ledge which was shocking yeah, to me i do not own a portal ledge <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you just sleep on ledges there and uh okay i mean there's sometimes like i don't know i think if we'd had another day i probably would have free triple direct okay. but i also would have missed school um, okay <laughs> so like you know, trying to, you know, go on, you know, school, like, three-day weekends or, you know, occasionally taking one day off from school uh, to give a three-day push, take a three-day weekend. Um, and, you know, the way we go when we go, like, fast and light, um, you know, we only take one rope. So, like, a three-day haul bag is still small enough such that my dad can uh, clean a traverse pitch, like, with the haul bag basically attached to a sling to his harness. Oh, wow. Okay. He does that only for the traverse pitches. The other pitches that are straight up and down, he can like leave the hall back at the previous belay, and it all works out. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I think as soon as you have like a hall bag for like many more days, it's a lot more water. It's a lot heavier. Mm. You know, you'd probably have to take a separate hall line. I'd probably have to trail another line with me while I'm leading, mm. and it just gets a lot more tedious. I mean, I'm I'm, ass- I'm assuming that you know, for more routes, you know, in my future, I probably will. Have a longer ascent. Yeah. And we've also experimented with like two day ascents, but like I feel like that's like a lot of climbing you need to do each day. You know, it's like a lot of pressure because a three day ascent, we move fast enough that like it's a very relaxed pace. You know, I can kind of, if I need to rest before a pitch, I can rest before a pitch. If I need to, you know, take a bunch of burns on a pitch, I can take a bunch of burns on a pitch. And I mean, what happened on both the nose and triple direct uh, on the send and the near send was that, uh, I'd get to changing corners at the end of the second day. And the changing corners is only four pitches from the top. Hmm. And I'd have, you know, the entire third day to just try to do changing corners. Got it. And I think on a two-day ascent, I wouldn't have that much time. 
Okay, that that raises a question that I had for you that I actually had forgotten about. I'm so glad you just said that. How do you warm up? How do you warm up your body and prepare to climb a 14A pitch like straight out of bed on that third day? So yeah, the third day because you sleep literally at the ledge below changing corners. Yeah, camp six. Um, so I mean, it's tricky. <laughs> um, <laughs> What I would do before is just like lower down and top rope the pitch before, which is, you know, a 510 pitch. And then I would just kind of go for it. Okay. You know, it's, it has like about 100 feet of like an amazing 5'9 pitch leading up to it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Some people do it as two separate pitches. We just did it all as one. And then, like, generally my first go on changing corners might not be quite as good, you know, kind of like a warm up burn. Mm hmm. And then, you know, the second go is better, and I'm just kind of warmed up. So I guess the short answer is I don't really warm up. Okay. <laughs> um, there's not really any way to warm up. Yeah. Okay, so a quick 5-10 pitch, and then there's a little bit of warm-up climbing built into the changing mm-hmm. corners pitch, and then just kind of a warm-up burn maybe. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious with all your jailhouse climbing experience and the knee bar thing, I've seen people use knee bar pads on the changing corners pitch. Have you tried that? So I don't wear a knee pad on changing corners, but I do like this knee bar to get into the corner. Okay. I don't really do the lie back method, which is where you would take a knee pad and basically knee bar the outside. I think that's what Babsy did. Mm -hmm. I think Jacopo might have done it as well. I kind of you know, kind of climb the inside of the corner where there aren't really any knee bars, but I do, again, to enter the corner, I do get a knee bar. Okay. Um, which actually makes that move not too hard. I, it's kind of weird. I like expected that move to be like this crux, you know, entering the corner. But, you know, once I found the knee bar, it was pretty trivial. Okay. Let's, uh, let's back up a couple steps to how this whole free climbing the nose at age 15 thing came about in the first place. So it sounds like this whole thing started before you were even born. You and I talked the other day and you told me that your dad freed the South a five days before you were born. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and so you were really, you know, born into the path that, that led to exactly what has transpired. But yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about Maybe your your dad and your early climbing in Yosemite and how the nose and, and eventually free climbing the nose came onto your radar. So, I mean, again, you know, I was raised in this climbing family. You know, my dad was super into big walls. And for as long as, as I can remember, I've known about the nose and the Salafé and El Cap. And, you know, I've known all the legendary climbing stories of, like, you know, Lynn Hill freeing the nose and, like, you know, that kind of, like, the climbing lore. I've kind of just known it as long as I can remember. So, like, I think what's really helped is my parents, uh, when they started, uh, you know, when I was born, they gave me access to climbing, but they didn't force me to climb. Hmm. You know, they were still going to climb. You know, they weren't going to let, you know, a a baby, actually, second child, slow them down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, essentially, they would take me to the crag you know, jailhouse or, you know, it even take me to the gym. Right. And, you know, they never say that I had to climb. They'd be like, if you want to climb, we can blow you. Otherwise, you know, you can entertain yourself. And you know, for a while, that's kind of what I did. I kind of just entertained myself. And then, you know, uh, 
except for outdoors, you know, in Tuolumne, I was like really into, you know, just doing like, like little multi-pitch climbs, which is kind of what we did. Okay. And I think I, I, my first multi-pitch was, uh, this climb called, I think, Hermaphrodite Flake. Okay. Um, on Stately Pleasure Gnome in Tuolumne. It was like a 5.4 or something? Yeah. It's the one where you like crawl under that flake. Okay. Uh, I used to call it the tunnel route. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so that was, uh pretty good i was like really into it that's awesome what age are we talking i don't really know exactly probably around like four or five six <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> no idea uh-huh. i remember i did this other route uh, called hopeless horror okay um you know just like those kind of routes you know like hopeless horror is what like a three pitch five seven or something or a four pitch maybe and i would just kind of do routes like that mm-hmm. i did cathedral peak did snake dike, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like slowly, you know, each time like a slightly bigger climb than the last. Were you picking those things out at that age? Um, no, I was not picking them out. It was kind of my, you know, I, my dad, you know, has an encyclopedic knowledge of like every climb in Yosemite National Park. <laughs> it, it really sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he'd be like, oh, you know, you'd enjoy this one. So I didn't really know what route we were going up on. I was like, just psyched to go up. Okay. You know, meanwhile, like, you know, sport climbing and, like, climbing, I wasn't very psyched on until, like, age eight or nine or so. Okay. And I kind of remember it as just, like, this one day I, like, went to the gym and it just, like, clicked. I was like, this is sick. And I, like, did a whole bunch of climbs that were, like, harder than what I'd done in the gym in the past. We're still talking, like, five tens, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember there's like, one day it was, like, probably eight or nine or so. You know, I'd just been doing, like, five eights and five nines and then, like... I was like, I'm going to get on a 10A today. And then, like, I flashed it, and I was like, I'm going to get on a 10B. And I flashed that, and I was like, I'm going to get on a 10C. And I did that, and I was like, this is sick. Um, so that was kind of how I got into, like, the gym part yeah. of things. Um, what was it that clicked, do you think? Did you realize that you loved the movement, or was it realizing that you wanted to try harder and that that was satisfying? Do you remember what it was that clicked? I don't remember exactly what it was. I mean, knowing myself was probably some combination of, like, the movement and loving to try hard. Okay. You know, meanwhile, in Yosemite, you know, the climbs we're doing, we're just, like, slowly getting bigger and bigger climbs, right? So, you know, eventually, I think we did, I think I was, like, in sixth grade or something, we did the West Face of El Cap, we did the Sex Hall of we did uh, the regular Northwest Face of Half Dome. And these ones, I mean, they weren't always free climbs. You know, most of the time it was French freeing, you know, pulling through the hard sections, Mm-hmm. You know, just doing it all in a day, basically. Okay. And then I think, uh, yeah, I was 13 when I did the nose for the first time. Okay. Uh, with my dad. Uh, I did the nose in a day, you know, for pulling through on everything. And, uh, you know, at that point, I didn't think uh, freeing it was really possible for me. Um <laughs> You know, at that point, I was like, well, you know, at some point, I'd like to free climb El Cap, but like, you know, I'm an adult and, you know, probably an easier route as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a lot more realistic. And, uh, yeah, we just like went up the nose. It was the spring, so the Great Reef was like super wet. So I was like, I remember looking at it, I was like, how would it be possible to free climb that? Like, but it was also like all mossy and wet and slimy. Okay. <laughs> it was just kind of like a side thought. 
That's pulling through. And then there was this one pitch up higher. It's the Camp 5 stemming pitch. It's actually the third hardest pitch on the route after the Great Reef and Changing Corners, uh, but it's only 12D. Okay. And, you know, still that first lap up the nose. You know, my dad, you know, ate it up it. I think he left a single eater at the bottom in case I wanted to pull through it. Because this whole ascent, I didn't have gym R's or ascenders. Man. Um, you know, just French freeing, pulling through, yeah. and following. That's awesome. Um, I mean, to be fair, like, I'm very glad I didn't have gym R's. Because then, you know, because I actually got to experience the climbing this way. Yeah. So, you know, I got to that, you know, 12D stemming pitch. And, you know, I was top roping with the pack on. And there was a bunch of gear in it. And I was like, oh, I'm probably going to aid it. And then I, like, did the first few moves to get to the aider. And I was like, oh, this is cool climbing. <laughs> so I just, like, cleaned the aider, put it on my harness, and just kept climbing. And, like, and I was trying hard. But, like, I was doing it. And I ended up flashing that pitch on top rope. <laughs> with the pack um, on. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, this, because, I mean, that style of climbing, it really was my style. Like, when I was developing, like, especially, like, as a gym climber, I don't know, I was always never really that powerful of a climber. I did way better on slabs than on steep climbs. I could, you know, you know, I, I was, like, a pretty good technical climber even, you know, before that. And, and I guess... Must must be the genes um, <laughs> coming from a, you know, my parents both valley climbers. Um, I guess my mom was more of a sport climber. So uh, yeah, so it was just like super my style, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is my style. <laughs> so I did that, but I never really thought of freeing it. I was just like, oh, that's cool. I did this one pitch, and then kind of the next year we did it in day again with uh, the late Tim Klein, and Tim was really like encouraging. Mm -hmm. He was, he said, like, he kind of directed us to these free variations. He, you know, he did the Jardine Traverse instead of the King Swing so I could try the free moves. And he was like, yeah, Connor, you can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of when I, like, started considering freeing. And this was kind of give a timeline. This was when I was, like, in the spring of when I was 14. So it was, like, right after that really good trip to the Red. Okay. Uh, when I did, you know, the three, five, fourteens in a week. So I was, like, I was, like, climbing super well. So I was, like... I definitely had, you know, that bit of, like, that confidence boost. So in the spring of when I was 14 is kind of when I started to, uh, you know, actually try it. You had a really great story from when you actually did free the nose. Mm -hmm. I just have a note here. Tell me about a PE class. <laughs> yeah, so, so when I was first trying the nose, I was, you know, eighth grade, and then when I was trying it again in the fall, I was in ninth grade, right? And that was, you know, when I had to relearn changing corners. Because uh -huh, uh, you grew. Because <laughs> I grew. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I was taking freshman PE, and it was, you know, the stereotypical high school PE class, like totally pointless, totally dull. Well, you know, half the kids, you know, can barely, like, walk a mile. Um, you know, we do the mile, half the class would walk it. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> it was a bit of a depressing class. You know, it was like, wow, these are what normal kids are like, you know, the mm. teacher was, you know, he's just like a super like out of shape guy, you know, he like walked with a limp, like could barely, you know, just like yelling at the class. It was like literally the PE you'd see in the movies, just, like yelling <laughs> at the class, you know, do this, do that. <laughs> so, you know, every day, you know, if you basically showed up and like gave, you know, 
half an effort into the activity to get full credit for the day. So it was like a really easy class. It was just like super boring. Uh And so like every day I'd miss class, I'd have to make it up, you know, after school. So I actually did miss the first few days of school because I was uh, I'm in competition. I was at the Youth Worlds in Moscow. Okay. Uh, so I had to make a PE for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember asking him, I was like, so I was like getting exercise. I was at like the Youth World Championships for climbing. And he's like, and when I was like talking with him one-on-one, he's like a nice guy, the PE teacher. He's like, oh, that's cool. You still have to make a PE, but that's cool. <laughs> um <laughs> And then I ended up missing one day of school when I was actually freeing the nose for that, like, three-day weekend. Uh-huh. Mind you, it was when, like, the smoke was, like, super bad from those fires in Northern California. Mm. So, like, you know, the previous Friday they had actually canceled school. You know, that day they declared it was an optional day. And, you know, I later calculated that I was sending changing corners at the exact time I was supposed to be in PE class. <laughs> And I still had to make a PE for that. So I had to, like, a week later, I had to, like, stay after school and, like, sit on a stationary bike for 45 minutes. Oh, my gosh. To make up for that day I missed. I guess I wasn't getting enough exercise. Guess not. The nose, changing corners, never heard of it. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't count. Get on the bike. Yeah. So that was, uh... That was interesting. That is pretty uh, funny. Uh, that was definitely pretty funny. <laughs> so reading reading your dad's article, you know, he wrote in there too that I think, you know, one of the direct quotes from him was, I will never tell Connor what to climb. You know, that, that seemed like a really consistent thread mm-hmm. throughout his writing. And I, I really, I just think that's so cool that he, like you said, he gave you access, but never told you what to do or when to do it. Yeah. And it's really neat to hear that he really did want you to try to do that, at at least from reading his write-up, and um, was really grateful that you got that nudge from Tim. And it sounds like you got a really, another really significant nudge from Tommy. Yeah, I actually got two significant nudges from Tommy. Okay. Um, So the first one... Tommy Caldwell. Yeah, Tommy Caldwell. So um, the first day I... I changed corners in the you know spring of 2018. You know I hadn't really looked at any beta videos. I just kind of went up there to feel the moves, and like it was impossible. I got shut down. Hmm. Um, and I was like trying it and trying it. And, like I could establish in the corner, and like multiple, just could not move at all. Like you know, it's like strange to like just like stay there. Like there's like no way I was going to be able to move. Hmm. So. We went up the next day, and I, you know, I think if I hadn't figured it out that day, we probably just would have written it off and not really tried it again for years. Mm-hmm. And we were hiking down, and it was the same time when Tommy and Alex were uh, going for the speed record on the nose. Okay. So they had just done like a two and a half hour run, you know, it was casual for them, <laughs> and like they were hiking down while we were hiking up. So we ran into them, and uh, they both knew my dad a bit, so we kind of like stopped and like chat, and they like found out that I was like trying the nose so tommy gave me some like super critical beta for changing corners he was like pretty psyched to hear that i was trying it and he was like you know he, he gave me this like foot beta where like you put you like scissoring your feet so you like put your right foot on the left side of the corner and your left foot on the right side so you're like crossing your feet mm. and somehow it just worked super well hmm. and that day i actually got all the moves on changing corners <laughs> and like started trying it and then 
you know, in subsequent weekends, I actually ended up doing it on top rope. And there was like a day when, you know, I tried it a few times on top rope and every one of the times I tried it, I did it on top rope. So I was like super like solid on that pitch. I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll start exploring some of the other pitches in the fall. And then like, it was kind of like early fall before Valley season. Uh, Tommy was actually in the gym. I think he was doing some talk or something. Okay. Uh, but it was like before then. So like he was doing a talk somewhere else. So he's like stopped at the gym to climb a bit. And like I ran into him and uh and, you know, he was, like, asking about the nose. And I was, like, telling him about, you know, how I'd, you know, been able to red point it on top rope. And he's, like, oh, dude, you could free the nose. Like, you could totally do it. Because <laughs> uh, he told me that he did every pitch except for changing corners, like, second go or first go. Wow. And changing corners took him, like, two or three weeks to figure out. Wow. So, um you know, I'm no Tommy Codwell. I did not expect to do the other pitches second go, but I was like, okay, if they're that much easier, I should be able to do them at least. Mm. And he also pointed out that on changing corners, the difference between lead and top rope was not so extreme. Okay. Uh, because what you do is you kind of go up the five nine crack and you can like reach over and clip some bolts in the urette. And then I actually down climb a bit before I enter the corner. Okay. So I end up doing most of it with the bolt clipped above me. So I actually like the entire hard section. I don't have to stop to place gear. I don't have to stop to clip any bolts or anything. Got it. That's cool. I mean, I have to like place gear higher up. There's like one place where I have to kind of get a bit of a sketchy cam to do like one last move. Mm. But it's way easier. I mean, the difference between lead and top rope is much less significant than say the great roof or, mm. you know, some of some other pitches. So he kind of, he said like, you know, if you try it, you could definitely do it this fall. Like you'll, you'll figure it out quickly. Uh -huh. So he was like really like saying like, I can do this and I can do this now. Uh -huh. um, so that really kind of gave me this. I mean, come on, if Tommy Codwell is saying it, like <laughs> it must be legit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine that must've been a really impactful conversation. Yeah. What about some of Tommy's other roots? Do you have eyes for Magic Mushroom or Dihedral Wall or even Dawn Wall? Are those are, are those things that you're thinking about for or sure. those goals at this point? Uh, for sure. I mean, if it's a free route on all cap, it's a goal. <laughs> nice. Um, I love it. I mean, like, you know, obviously no time soon, but, uh, you know, I definitely want to do triple direct, um, mm -hmm. which actually... I don't think triple direct has been freed yet. I mean, each pitch has been freed. You know, the solve wall has been freed. The mirror wall has been freed. The nose has been freed. But as a continuous route, I don't think the triple direct has been freed. Okay. Probably just because Tommy hasn't tried it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, there's so many amazing looking free routes in El Cap. Like, you know, I haven't really done any of those, like, 513 routes, which just, I mean, they look hard. They look amazing. Like, uh you know, there's a Salafe wall and, like, the mirror wall and Zodiac. And, like, those ones look really good. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess I don't really know at this point, but I think my next goal after Triple Direct might be to, like, kind of build out my base a bit and do more than just, like, Project 514. Awesome. Um, yeah. You know, try to do a bunch of those 513 ones. And, you know, at some point, um, what I will say with the Dawn Wall, because I've been asked this before, is if I can free, like, every other route on El Cap, then I'll try the Dawn Wall. Got it. I guess maybe maybe, maybe a few of them I'd skip, like, the dangerous ones. Like, I think the Prophet is, like, 
13D or 14A X. Mm-hmm. So, like, not that one. Uh-huh. Uh, it looks really good, but maybe I'll top rope it. But, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, maybe not every route, but, like, I definitely want, before I try the Donwall, I want to have a very strong base on LCAT. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at people, you know, like the really successful climbers on LCAP, like Tommy, and he's just done so much that, like, you know, a 5-12 pitch is going to feel easy to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of necessary for a climb as long and sustained as the Dawn Wall. Totally. You were just talking about some of the more dangerous climbing and how that, that sort of stuff doesn't appeal to you as much. I thought that's a, that was a pretty interesting transition to talk about Broken Arrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that's pretty awesome. You just did Broken Arrow pretty recently, and I'd love to have you talk about like what that route is for people that don't know. But I'd also love to dig into the kind of breakdown of the headpoint style that you use to that, because it seems mm-hmm. like you're really, really thoughtful, not only about beta and yeah. not only about climbing, but how to make sure you keep climbs like that safe and as safe as possible. Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, doing risky stuff, such as, you know, maybe not dialing it as much as I did, would just be it's just pointless. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So Broken Arrow, it's this climb into Wallamy. It's a pretty short climb. It's only like 50 feet. It's this old Ron Cow climb and i think it was like he pink pointed it the day i think he gave it 13c oh okay interesting but it's since it's been upgraded it's also broken so now it's it actually has a bit of a split grade i think it's like 13d if you have pre-placed gear but if you place your gear on lead it's 14a okay kind of similar to magic line that was 14b when you had the pre-placed gear but 14c if you lead it red pointing okay i remember hearing about that so so yeah, it's really short, really hard crack. You know, it's just like super thin and like super footwork intensive. And, you know, I just kind of started trying it. Um, I just kind of tried it this year. You know, after shelter in place, uh, Yosemite National Park reopened. And I was kind of able to get out of it and, you know, go to Tuolumne. We were actually considering uh, going back to the valley and trying triple direct again, but it was just way too hot. Okay. It's an afternoon climb. It has sun in the morning, shade in the afternoon. So we would do like, you know, a moderate classic in the morning, right? Because we've just been doing moderates because, I mean, first of all, that's the hard one I'm trying. I don't want to ruin myself in the morning. And second, I want to get like a broader base. I want to do like a bunch of moderates so that like those grades feel easy. (laughs) Um, Okay. It's kind of like one of my goals. I just want to like fill out my pyramid so that like... You know, in the future, I don't have to think if I'm getting on like a 510 or even like a 511. Okay. Like my goal is to be able to do those easily and not lose energy on them. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's slightly spicy, if it's, you know, slightly run out or if it's like bad feet, just to be able to do that uh, is kind of my goal. So we'll do like, we do a moderate in the morning and then go try it in the afternoon. And I was just I was just like trying it on top rope. And it was kind of weird because the first time I was on it, like I spent a really long time. I was like flailing all over the place. You know, I ended up like barely figuring out the moves. And then like I went back up and, you know, once I'd figured out beta for the moves, I like, you know, nearly linked it super quickly. Like, you know, I'd go from like hanging all over the place to doing it in like two hangs in one or two goes. Huh. Um, just because. Because it's like super beta intensive. Yeah. So I was actually um, trying it. I, I did try it one day 
last summer, so summer 2019. But I was actually too short to reach this one move. And I didn't know that Kata Lambert had like figured out some super hard beta around it. Okay. This summer I was like, oh, well, if I can't reach them, try Katie's beta. But then I could reach it this summer. Um, <laughs> and I actually didn't really remember anything I'd worked out the previous summer. Okay. So I had to like, figure it all out again. Um, do, so, do you ever write down or record your beta? I should. I don't. <laughs> uh, but I should. Maybe once you stop growing, it'll be worth it to start. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> Until yeah, then, it's I, pointless uh, anyway. <laughs> once my beta is like, not going to change. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, I think it was my. On my fourth day trying it this fall, I mean this summer, I'm not like not counting the day last spring, I was like, oh, I wonder what the placements are like. So I wrapped down from the top because it's you, you can easily walk around. It's like a fourth class thing to set up a top rope, which I'm pretty grateful for. Um, mm-hmm. The way that I can just easily work it on top rope. And, you know, I like started, you know, putting in gear, you know, as if I was going to pinpoint it. My dad went and he like checked it and it was like, you know, you're able to just like sit there on a rope and just like fiddle it in perfectly. It was actually pretty bomber gear, even though they were like small RPs. Okay. You know, it was, it was pretty solid. Um, he, my dad was like joking. He's like, I mean, these pieces are more bomber than those like fixed nuts you were clipping in the great roof last fall. So <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, might as well just go for a pink point, right? Just sending it on pre placed gear. So I tried it and my first go trying it. I pink pointed it. And then, you know, that evening I was like, I wonder what it's like to place gear on lead. So I went up again, placing gear as I went. And like, I think I was like pretty tired because I'd, you know, pink pointed it. And like, I think I'd been rehearsing it earlier that day. So I like, I fell on it, but it was like after all the gear because there's like a, the upper crux section is is protected by a bolt. Okay. So, um, and I fell on the bolt, on the part protected by a bolt. So I like got through the whole gear section placing gear. And it was, you know, decent gear. So the next day, like when I was like fresh, I went back up and uh, at this point I'd memorized what gear goes where on my harness and I essentially just mock let it. So like, oh, okay. uh, you know, tied in twice, you know, on top rope, but placing and clipping gear as if I was leading. And I did it that way. And, you know, I wrapped in and the gear was like mostly good, except for this one RP that was just like completely it was like really bad. It was like actually put in sideways and like, uh, it, it was just like super bad because there are a few RPs that you get in the crux section. I think there are three total and they're all blind placements. Like you're off mm. to the side of the crack, kind of like lay backing mm. on like a really bad hole and you have to like reach around into the crack and you can't see where you're putting it. So you can't see if it's a good placement. You just rely on like if it catches. Mm-hmm. So that one it had caught, but that was just cause it was sideways. So, I was, you know, a little worried. I was like, oh, I don't really know about going to lead this when I don't know if I'm going to be placing bomber gear or, like, incredibly sketchy gear. Okay. So um, I was kind of, you know, looking at it. I found a better place to put it in where it was, like, hard to mess up. You know, I was putting, like, ticks on the outside of the crack uh, where I placed the gear mm-hmm. or I placed the RP where the constriction was because, again, I was, like, completely it because it's like i mean basically to stay in that position long to place the gear you have to be like lay backing it and like pressing yourself super close into the wall mm-hmm. so like 
that it's totally blind. And I was like pretty confident with like, you know, I'm just going to go for it on lead. And I sent it back up. <laughs> so yeah, I was pretty psyched about that. Yeah. Awesome. That's an interesting progression. So top rope send, then pink point, mm-hmm. then you tried to lead it and got all the gear in and fell on the bolt. And then you went back to mock leading it. Yeah. Well, the go when I fell on the bolt, I was top roping. I was mock leading. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Actually, I'm not even sure if I was mock leading. I think I was just like placing gear and not clipping it. Gotcha. So top roping it with all your gear and your harness, just practicing yeah. the placements. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks for that. That I think that'll be really helpful for people to hear how you think about that yeah. stuff. Do you... Well, I'm gonna... Go ahead. Because I mean, that pitch, it's like... I mean, the crux where you're getting all those RPs is it's about 15 feet off the ground. So oh, okay. it just has a really bad landing. It's kind of on this like slope. It's like on this granite slope. So like if it was a flat landing, like I would almost just bring a crash pad and just boulder out that section. Mm. It's that low to the ground, but it's just like a really bad landing. Okay. So, I mean, I definitely did not want to hit the ground. Right. <laughs> so I, I really did sew it up on that pitch because I knew the gear might not be the best and i knew that you know i was really low to the ground so i ended up placing i think eight pieces i think five of which were like small cams three of which were rps within like the first like 20 25 feet of the route okay so it was you know like do a move place something do another move place something but ultimately i'm very glad that i did that because it kind of kept the safety margin you know a little larger Mm. That totally makes sense on something like that. Do you have a favorite? Do you have favorite uh, small cams, or do you use a mix of stuff? I mean, I kind of use a mix of stuff. Um, lately, I've been using these like little Metolius ones. They have like the, I think it's a zero slash zero zero offset. Okay. So it's like super small. I mean, it's literally the size of like a nut or an RP. Yeah, totally. But um, uh, TCU or Master Cam. I'm not really sure. Okay. I want to say master cam. I don't really. Just the single stem? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Single yeah. stem. That's the, those are the master but it's just, cams. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess uh, my dad, he generally, I mean, on like the climbs, you know, that I was doing when I was like really little, he would just place cams on them. When I was first leaning on trad, I would just place cams. So like, okay. I mean, that was really, I mean, I, really only place nuts and like rps like on one climb for broken arrow oh okay that's incredible hulk okay so you know i definitely wasn't used to them and i definitely didn't really trust them as much as cams even though like intuitively i knew that like a really bomber nut or rp is actually very very bomber Mm -hmm. you know but just like instinctively, I trust cams way more, uh-huh. <laughs> which um, probably as my climbing progresses, I'm going to have to change. Yeah. But I mean, on the nose and on triple direct, I didn't place a single nut or RP. Wow. And I did it on all cams. Okay. Again, I use those, you know, really small offsets. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I just, I'm definitely a lot more confident on cams than on nuts. Gotcha. Interesting. So that. Let's go back to that weekend. So you send Broken Arrow. Yeah, and that was my third day on. So third, Okay, okay. So you're doing like a three-day weekend. I think it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Okay. And like on Friday, I was just working Broken Saturday. I pinpointed it on Sunday. I red-pointed it. Okay. 
And then where'd you go Monday, from there? <laughs> so Monday it was like an unseasonably cool day because this was late June, which is normally way too hot for jailhouse. Uh-huh. But I mean, again, it was just an unseasonably cool day. It was still pretty hot by jailhouse standards, but you know, we just decided. I mean, it's kind of on the way home, but my dad had to work, so we actually ended up going home and going back to jailhouse with my mom. And you know, I kind of just went up there with no expectations, and I ended up sending Green Mile, which I'd been trying uh, the past spring. Um, <laughs> that's the for context. That's the hardest route at jailhouse. Yeah, you know, 14C, and it's it's really long. It's like just a bunch of like really hard boulder problems, and then pretty good rests. But the rest aren't good enough to get everything back. So the last boulder problem is the hardest on red point because you're super pumped. Okay. So that climb I'd actually been trying. I mean, that was kind of the first climb I was really trying post-lockdown. Okay. Because in our county, our the rule was no going outside of a five-mile radius from your house. Got so it. So we I wasn't doing that. Um, and then that got lifted, so we started going to jailhouse. But it was like May, which is generally way too hot. Okay. But there was just like a series of cool weekends, which was nice. It was kind of weird. It was like super <laughs> bizarre because uh, normally like, you know, late April, early May jailhouse season ends. And this was like late May, early June. Hmm. Um, and, you know, after like a day or two of getting like used to what rock feels like again, I started trying Green Mile. Um, I just kind of like started trying it and then ended up getting really close. Like, I was kind of felt like, a, you know, really the last place you'd fall on that route. Just like this kind of last hard move before a rest. Bit easier climbing to the top um, before it just got, like, way too hot for the summer. At the time, I was like, oh, you know, that's whatever. Like, I'll just come back in the fall because, you know, jailhouse is so convenient to us. We can just, you know, go back in the fall and clean it up. But then it was just that one day it was just, like, super cool. So, <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of weird. It was like... I think it was partially the fact that I had no expectations Mm. Uh, because it was still, you know, quite hot out, definitely like a little humid, not really that, not really very breezy. Um, And I was fourth day on. So I was like, you know, whatever, I'll just try it. Just fitness. It's just a fitness burn at this point. Uh And I guess that mentality just worked. Wow. It's so interesting to me. So you've talked about how power is your weakness Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's interesting with this shelter in place thing. You, it sounds like you just got stuck at home training on a home wall. Yeah. So I've been trying to work my weakness. Yeah. Have you noticed the effect of that with these routes this spring? I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say I've gotten more powerful since shelter in place, which is definitely very good because that's never really been a strength of mine. And I've really always been trying to work it, but I've had other stuff available at the same time, you know, like endurance or you know, some valley climbing this, this time when I was in shelter in place, I really had nothing except power training. (laughs) Um, so I just kind of started like grinding it out, you know, just doing like, just setting like a super hard two or three move sequence on my home wall. Cause you know, it's only, I mean, our ceiling's only eight and a half feet vertical, Mm -hmm. which means like the steep wall, it's a 10 feet of climbing. So it's not that much. Yeah. You said it's It's like like a few very hard moves, like a 40 degree wall. You said, yeah, it's a 40-degree wall. And I got some, we got some new holds, and we got, I got some, like, really bad crimps intentionally so that I could, like, really train power. And, uh, you know, sometimes I even at one point started doing, like, weighted pull-ups at the end of my workouts and, like, just, like, just trying to 
I mean, really just trying to get stronger. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd say I felt more powerful on the Green Mile. Um, I tried the, because up to the first anchor, it's called Flower Power. It's this 14A slash B, or mm. maybe 14B. Okay. And I tried it before, but, like, some of the moves felt pretty hard, and they felt, like, a lot easier this time. Mm. There you um, go. And a week or two ago, we were on this road trip. Uh, we ended up in Wild Iris, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I was trying this climb called Throwing the Hulahan. It was a, it's like this Todd Skinner 14A, which was, I mean, it really boiled down to like the second move on the climb, which was just like this big move, like huge cross off these two crimps to a two-finger pocket. Okay. Um, and it's just like, you know, super powerful. And, you know, there's some harder moves after it, but they're like all powerful moves. And then you get to like chugs with really good feet where you can get everything back. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually not sure if I would have been able to do that climb since it was so anti-style uh, had I not just spent a bunch of months training power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was effective. And awesome. at this point, it's not really looking like our gyms are reopening anytime soon. Yeah. So hopefully I'll get a lot more power training uh, this fall. What does that look like for you? Are you doing... Um... Are you doing a mix of different types of sessions, or are you doing similar sessions every every time? Are you training every day? Like, wh- what does that kind of look like on your home wall? So my home wall, so I, and I'm trying to be careful because I know I'm like, you know, I, I know during puberty, people are definitely very injury prone. Okay. I know a lot of my friends have like injured growth plates or pole injuries, so I've been climbing every other day. Okay. Um, just to try to play it safe, and. I guess it's not like very structured training. It's just like make up or set a boulder that's like super powerful or like not my style at all. Like something I want to work. And those boulders vary day to day. Sometimes they're like hard pulling on crimps. Sometimes, you know, they're big moves between pinches or like, you know, moves on slopers. So, you know, I try to vary that up day to day and I'll just like try to do it. And if I do it, I'll try another one. And lately, since I know I'm able to get out, Sometimes I'll do some circuits as well for endurance. Okay. But when I was like, when it was during that lockdown and it was clear that like we were going to be shelter in place in shelter in place for a while, I kind of felt there was no point in training endurance because like in general, if I don't train endurance, I can get my endurance back in like three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's like how long it generally takes me to get my full endurance back. And it was clear that within the next three weeks, I would not be getting outdoors or anywhere Mm. where endurance would be necessary okay so you know just doing power gotcha thanks for thanks for sharing all that that's that's really helpful i mean there's also like throwing the hula hand that wasn't the only climb when you know i've really felt my power kind of paying off Um, okay actually two days ago um i was up at like this local area this climb called surf safari I mean, it's only rated 13D, but it's just, like, not my style at all. I tried it last year, but there was, like, one move I couldn't reach, and it was, like, super powerful. I, like, I was like, oh, that's too powerful for me. But, you know, I was actually able to send it. Uh, nice. I think it was on Tuesday. Awesome. Today's Friday. Yeah. So I feel like the power training's been paying Hell off. Hell yeah. Power <laughs> training's working. Yeah. I'm, I think it's also helping that. It's also kind of given me the confidence to, like, start trying powerful climbs okay whereas before i'd kind of get scared away by them but now i'm like kind of trying to go out of my way to try them so that just to improve my weakness that is awesome very cool yeah 
it's hard to do. It's hard to <laughs> yeah. not get on an endurance climb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm tempted. Uh, I want to switch over to some patron questions. So I've got some people that support the show and submitted questions for you. I, I let them know that you were going to be coming on and a couple different guys submitted questions that I really liked and wanted to ask. Uh, you know Brent, right? I do know Brent. Brent. Uh, I'm actually just... Barghan is... Bargon? Bargon, yeah. I actually met him in the Meadows when I was trying Broken Arrow, so very okay. recently. And now I'm like pretty good friends with him. Nice. Um, he's actually a total undercover crusher. Like, yeah? I met him and I like found out he's like, I think he freed Golden Gate and Freerider. Um, and yeah. each of them he just did in like a single ground up push. Like he didn't repel in and rehearse anything. He just did like, he just like started from the ground and went to the top and freed it. Man. And like he's done like FA'd like dozens of 513s in Little Cottonwood Canyon, like near Salt Lake. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. Some of them. Like, nice, Brent. Are, he's probably listening to this. That's yeah, awesome. Some of them are like definitely harder. Okay. Um, like he said, because there's this 14A that was put up by Nick Berry called Interrobang. Okay. Up at Lone Peak, which is right by Salt Lake. And he did it on his third session trying it yeah and there are some 13 d's that he fa'd in little cottonwood that took him like months or even like up to a year of work <laughs> uh but he just said like i was like talking with him he's like yeah i don't feel like i know what 14 is so i don't really want to give it 14 uh -huh. <laughs> so uh yeah I, I think he's fully qualified to put a 514 raid on if he wants to <laughs> yeah it sounds like some of those might get upgraded <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he had some great questions for you. He wanted to know, why do you think so few young climbers are pulled towards trad and big walls? Oh, so that's actually something that I was kind of wondering about for a while. I mean, you look at like sport and bouldering and there are like 10 year olds all over the place, like crushing it. And yeah, I don't really, I mean, I know this one kid, Tanner Bauer, uh, is from boulder or the boulder area in colorado uh he's into trad as well but other than that i know no one and i think it's a combination of factors you know one is accessibility mm. um i feel like there are more sport climbs and boulders and you know gyms are convenient to urban areas and you know a lot of those kids brought up in the gyms you know barely ever even go outdoors mm -hmm. and if they do go outdoors it'll be something they're familiar with with like bouldering and sport also i think uh my dad's super into track climbing he knows everything there is to know so like you know he's kind of like an instructor but like you need to learn so much more like how to place an anchor how to like be safe up there how to place gear how to clean gear um and those are things that you kind of have to learn firsthand they're not a lot of those you can't really learn by watching a youtube video mm. and you know also it's definitely uh, more dangerous than sport climbing and bouldering, especially if you're not like trying to take safety precautions, like, you know, head pointing or anything, mm -hmm. you know, it's really easy to be reckless with trad. And I think, you know, I've definitely seen many more trad climbing accidents than sport climbing and bouldering accidents that are serious. Mm. It's also like costs. I mean, since my dad's, you know, into trad climbing, he already had a rack, but like, you know, say there's a kid from a non climbing family who's getting into climbing, you know, if they want to become a boulder, all they need is like a pair of shoes and a chalk bag and a gym or, you know, a crash pad to go outdoors. 
you know, if they're sport climbing, they just need a harness and a rope and some quick draws, right? Mm-hmm. But then if you're track climbing, you need a whole rack. And, you know, for to a non-climbing parent, that could seem like a very large investment towards, you know, something when there are easier, more cheaper options available. Um, so I think it's a combination of all those factors. I mean, I'd be psyched to see a lot of kids come and crush it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Fitz and Ingrid Codwell, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're contributing to, uh, to a shift, you know, I'm sure a shift in, in that is a shift in that culture is coming. I hope so. With, with all the kids getting into climbing, I think it's just a matter of time before more of them venture up onto the big walls. And, yeah. you know, a lot of them are going to read articles about you and probably listen to this and be like, huh, the nose, you know, that would be sick. So that's awesome. I'd be psyched. I mean, like, especially because I know I could understand uh, parental concerns towards, like, a young kid, like, a really young kid, like, you know, a 10-year-old or younger trying to free climb up there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially given the fact that, you know, a lot of the pitches might have, you know, sparse gear or something. But, like, definitely, like, someone in, like, their late teens, if they're the right type, I mean, that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brent also wanted to ask about shoes. He noticed that you climb in the solution. It sounds like pretty exclusively, like that might be the only shoe that you use for for all terrain. Is that true? Or do you use a mix of stuff? I use a mix. Oh, Um, you do? Okay. Yeah. So when I freed the nose, I would wear, I wore um, a pair of the 510 moccasins for all the easy pitches and the solutions for the harder pitches. Okay. Now I've transitioned to the TC Pro for the easier pitches. Well, I'm still kind of getting used to the TC Pro, so I think if I kind of get used to the TC Pros a bit more, I could, I might even be able to just like just wear the TC Pro for big walls and you know save the solution for sport and boulder. Okay. I've also recently switched to uh, the Comp Solution. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer it to the normal solution. I think it's really sick. Yeah. So, yeah, the answer is a mix. So. Uh, for like basically for every pitch for all the 510s and 511s tc pros and for everything 12a and up solutions as a rule of thumb for those climbs what about for like hard face like edging style do you ever use like a stiffer edging shoe um solutions are actually pretty stiff okay the comp solutions are like slightly softer than the normal solutions which i actually quite like yeah i mean those worked fine Gotcha. And maybe once I get, I mean, again, I've, I've only switched to TC Pro within like the past few months, past month actually. So, you know, once I get more used to it, once I wear it a little more, maybe I'll be able to use that as well. Like once I, you know, kind of learn the shoe. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, Alec Peterson had a couple of questions that I thought were, were interesting. So one that he asked, you know, multi-pitch and big wall climbing can be really uncomfortable. And he wanted mm-hmm. to know if there's anything that you do to deal with that. And I'll add an extension to that. You know, is there anything that you do to help yourself perform when you're just kind of suffering on the wall? And I thought of your, I just have my own note here that says triple direct and then water. Oh, <laughs> the triple direct water thing. That was an unfortunate story about, um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh luckily i wasn't actually trying to free it it was like the first weekend we had free like the first three-day weekend 
Uh, and it was like our first valley weekend of the season last fall. So like I hadn't really been on changing corners with a great roof in like 10 months. So I was just kind of going up on a reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just did three day ascent of triple direct. And I actually ended up freeing all but the great roof and changing corners. But so normally we go pretty light on walls. Like we normally don't take that much water as is. So normally we take uh, three gallons plus a liter and a half. And that's between my dad and I for three days. Yeah, that was surprising to me because that's for cooking too, right? Yeah, it's also for cooking because we use freeze-dried food. Yeah. I mean, it's enough. And it's also probably a lot lighter than what an alternative might be. Um, however, this particular time, we uh, didn't quite read the fine print on the bottles we got. <laughs> and they were three-liter bottles, not gallon bottles. The fine print. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. <laughs> It probably wasn't very fine print, but <laughs> um, so we ended up with a, a total of ten and a half liters, right? Because it's three three liter bottles plus one one and a half liter, so ten and a half liters between the two of us for the three days was a bit dry. Uh-huh. Uh, so a recommendation to uh, make a uh, big wall climbing more comfortable might be to uh, you know maybe take enough water. <laughs> um, Although it wasn't that bad on the wall. It was just like I had a cross-country race the next day, like the day after we got down uh, from that climb. And that was a bit dry. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially since it was in like like that Pacific race course had no shade either. And it was, you know, it was kind of in the heat of the day, you know, 4 p.m. So that was, so yeah, I'd say bring water. Um, one thing <laughs> is actually... Another thing I'd recommend for comfort is finding the right harness. Oh, okay. Because you're gonna be hanging it. You're gonna be hanging it for a while. I use the Petzl Sitta, I think. I'll have to check that. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But it's definitely way less bulky than a big wall harness. But it's like super light and super sm- and like, but it's just like the material, like the design is made to like actually be surprisingly comfortable. Or, you know, an all big wall harness, but again, that's more weight. Also, finding the right shoes. Like, I think it's very important to have those shoes. Like, if, you know, whether they're TC Pros or Moccasins or any other shoe, those comfy shoes for the easy pitches. Because if you try to wear a high-performance shoe for an entire El Cap ascent, your feet are going to hurt. Trust mm-hmm. me. Trust <laughs> um, Yeah. Do you size the TC Pros a little looser as well? Yeah, I mean, the TC Pro, the design is, like, super nice in that, like, it's, they're, like, hard to get on, but once you get them on, they're pretty comfy. Okay. So, like, they're not going to come off your feet or anything, but they're still, like, you know, comfy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so you, I mean, if you're just doing an eight ascent, obviously, you want a very comfy shoe. If you're trying to do some hard free climbing, I would even suggest just taking two pairs of shoes up, you know, mm-hmm. one for the easy pitches, one for the hard pitches. Yeah. Because if you're just trying to use a high performance shoe for the whole the time, um, you're going to be taking it off at every belay, massaging your feet, <laughs> you know, grimacing when you, I mean, the times on like, like last fall, we would go up and like, I guess it wasn't last fall, it was the fall before. So when I was trying the nose, when I was like going to work the great, the great roof, we would climb up to there in a day. Okay. So that's like half of El Calf in a day. And there was one time when I only wore solutions the whole way. And by the time I got to the Great Reef, I like could not edge. Okay. Because my feet just hurt so much. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, wear well-broken-in shoes. 
no matter whether they're high performance or not and make sure they're comfy. Awesome. That's super helpful. Thanks for sharing that stuff. Quick note on the, the water thing. So I think the first time you told me that story, I misunderstood. I thought you had bought three one liter bottles. Oh no. <laughs> three, three liter bottles. Three, three liter. Okay. So for reference for listeners, a, a gallon is about 3.8 liters. Yeah. So it sounds like you so guys are we about were, two and a half liters less yeah, we than... Yeah, two and a half liters less than normal. Got it. Okay. <laughs> kind Still. of funny. Like, my dad was like, when we were up there, my dad was like, this hall bag feels nice. We did a good job packing. <laughs> I'm feeling strong today. This thing feels light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alec Peterson, he also complimented you on being a really well-rounded climber. You know, you're a successful comp climber. You boulder really well. You sport climb. You do hard single pitch trad and you free climb the nose. He was curious, are you excited to try to continue forward as an all-rounder or do you have interest in becoming more focused in, in one, you know, more narrow facet of the sport? How do you think about that? So, um, I'd obviously like to keep, uh, to stay as well-rounded as possible. Although I recognize that, you know, as things progress, you know, this year I'm going to be a junior in high school. There's going to be, you know, SATs, ACTs. Mm. I'm going to be taking four AP classes you know, I'm not going to have all the time in the world to do comps and outdoor bouldering and outdoor sport climbing and chat. So, um, I mean, especially this year, since comps are looking thin, mm-hmm. you know, there might not be any. Um, I think those would probably be the first to go if I had to drop something, uh, followed by outdoor bouldering. Uh, but I'd definitely like to keep the trad going and keep the outdoor sport going. Awesome. For as long as possible. And hopefully the outdoor bouldering as well, because it's good for my climbing. It's good to work my weaknesses, which is power. Okay. Do you do much of that most years? Outdoor bouldering? Yeah. Generally, at least a trip a year. Okay. Sometimes two. Okay. The past few years, I've kind of had a trip with my friends uh, to Bishop and uh, Red Rocks over Christmas and New Year's. Last year, I kind of incorporated some sport climbing in there as well. But, I mean, for me, it's like I'm definitely not as good at bouldering, and it can get frustrating, but it's necessary. I imagine you must be, you must have like bittersweet feelings about sending the Green Mile because Jailhouse was kind of, it sounds like that was kind of your most convenient local crag. Have you climbed it out at this point? Is there anything left to do? There are climbs left at Jailhouse. There are, okay. I think I, I looked at a guidebook and there are like a whole bunch of five, four, like 14 A's and 14 B's that I've like never even heard of. Okay. Awesome. There are about like eight more 514s plus a bunch of 513s I've never been on. And I don't really know what the situation is for open projects there, but if there are some, I'd be psyched to try them. Um, but even if I climb it out, I mean, it's just so convenient. Like it's, I guess it is, it's two and a half hours and you have to get up really early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can go there for single days. It's, uh, you know, especially if the gyms are still closed. And even when the gyms were open for sport training, like our local gyms generally don't set very hard routes. Okay. And if they do, it'll just be a single route. So, like, at some point, it's like, you know, you just have a single route to train on. So, even if I climb out jailhouse just as a training ground, it'd be nice. And I know a lot of people who, have climbed out jailhouse and then gone back and tried to like 
repeat as many climbs as possible with no knee pads or even no knee bars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, it, if it's training, it can be contrived. You can get rid of knee bars. You can do link ups. So, yeah. Um, even if I climb out jailhouse, I'm probably gonna keep going for a while. Awesome, Connor. It's uh, I want to respect your time, and I think it's uh, we're we're getting down to the wire here. So let's start wrapping up. I'd love to ask you before I let you go, uh, what is something that you've been especially grateful for lately? Um, like within the past, I mean, within the past few months, it's been my access to rock, like the local rocks. You know, I say local, um, that's encompassing, like, Yosemite National Park and uh, even some of, like, the areas near there. Because I have a friend, he lives in Michigan. Mm. Uh, He climbs really hard, too. But, um, you know, his name is Hobbs Kessler. But he, pretty much the only climbing area near him is the Red River Gorge, which is, like, I think it's, like, a seven or eight-hour drive for him. (laughs) And uh, it's also in the summer right now, so it's, like... I mean, it's really hot, really humid down there and, like, not climbable. Uh, so he has, like, absolutely nothing. And, you know, I have, I mean, even, like, local, I mean, there's Castle Rock, there's Mickey's Beach, there's Jailhouse, there's Tuolumne, Yosemite, the Eastern Sierra. So that's definitely something I'm super grateful for now. Uh, something else I'm really grateful for is uh, my parents because they, they'll take me climbing. They're, like... I mean, they're willing to, you know, sacrifice some of their own climbing uh, for me. Like, mm. whenever we do a push on El Cap, my dad just Jimars the whole thing. And he'd much rather climb than Jimar. But, <laughs> you know, he he still does it. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you were telling me about your most recent trip. I think it was just mm-hmm. like last weekend or something. And it sounds yeah. like your parents are willing to drive a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're telling me for like a two week trip. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell me all the places that you visited on that on that two week trip? I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Uh so we had a few days in Maple. Uh-huh. And then we had a day in the Salt Lake area. We went up to Lone Peak uh with Brent. Uh that was a super fun day. And then we went up to the hoop, which is like three hours past that. And then we went up to Wild Iris, which is like three hours past that. Um <laughs> but it's helped a lot that I can do some of the driving now. Okay. I think I actually did more than half the driving this past trip, which has helped a lot. Um, I definitely remember like when I couldn't drive and we'd go on that, you know, sometimes we, we definitely didn't go on as many trips. Um, we still went on quite a few, like we did go to one trip kind of like that, you know, to that area. And I remember like, I think my mom had done the driving. She was like totally wrecked for the next week. And now she's definitely a lot better now it's like she wasn't driving the whole time mm-hmm. um you know if you know it was half the time it's just a big difference yeah yeah totally. um what's the next that was... go ahead uh the next trip yeah what's the next trip i'm actually going today um i have a friend coming out and we're going up to uh tuolumne and the incredible hulk okay uh, we're gonna have 10 days up there which is going to be super nice. 10 days. That's climbing. Did, I think you told me on the phone that the longest you've ever stayed in one climbing area was like a week or 10 days. <laughs> yeah. So for 10, sure. 10 days at the Hulk. That's awesome. Well, I think we're going to have like, I think we're going to like go to the meadows for three days, then go to the Hulk for four, then go back to the meadows for three. Okay. 
I, I can't imagine hiking 10 days of food into the Hulk. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be sick. I'm really psyched. What's, uh, what's on your radar? You got anything you're um, excited about? So I think I'm going to, we are going to do a bunch of moderates and I might try, I want to try this climb called Top Gun in Tuolumne. It's this 14A on Stately Pleasure Dome. Okay. Uh, yeah. I talked to Katie Lambert about that one a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'd like to try that. I think at the Hulk, I really want to try the Venturi effect because that's like the classic of the area and I've never been on it. Mm. Uh, I mean, I've done a bunch of the other stuff at the Hulk, but I have never been on Venturi effect. So, you know, maybe I'll go for an on-site go. Maybe I'll just try to do it. I don't really know. Nice. See how it pans out. Yeah. There's another climb in Tuolumne called High Times. Okay. It's, uh, that might be fun. a fun day outing. It's like, it's only four pitches, but it's like a 13B. Okay. Maybe that one. I mean, I think we're just going to play it by ear. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a, a safe and a super fun trip. I hope you have great weather and get to yeah. do a bunch of fun climbing. I hope so as well. <laughs> Connor, this has been super fun. Really nice uh, getting to know you a little bit and chatting with you. And I appreciate you giving me all the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, yeah. Uh, been a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. All right. You're about to leave, right? I'll see what time is it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time to pack and, and get out of here. <laughs> I've got like 20 minutes maybe, but yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thanks again. And uh, I can't wait to to read the next article about you <laughs> freeing something on El Cap or sending a bunch of 514s or whatever it is that you're that you're up to next. Yeah, so hope I can uh, still get on stuff. I'd love to get your dad on the show sometime. He's downstairs right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cue him up. No, I want to do a little homework first. He's a he's a fascinating guy and I'd love to learn more about him. But do you think he'd yeah. be interested? Oh, well, I'm sure he'd be interested. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I can. I'll ask him. Awesome. I'll be back in touch about his, that. I'll give you his email. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. All right, Connor. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Bye. Shake it up, stop when the clock is 13 You've been working, but you're flirting With the weekend, you can freak out One in a million You're a gem, shine when the light grows dim Sing one, two, three, four Cause, cause, cause No one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it Like we do it like we do it. We got the rise up.